0: Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing your services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices of Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast.
1: This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pakani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stoney Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinooki. We acknowledge the Satana who are Dene and the Métis, Inuit, status, and non-status from all of Turtle Island and those who are visited. We are all treaty people. Thank you very much for coming. All right, let's
0: do this, yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. You take it away, my friend.
0: Thank you for having me. It's uh, quite an honor.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. It's our pleasure. The is uh, all ours hello. for
0: sure. Um, so I'm an addict named Scooter (laughs) Scooter. (laughs) always feels more comfortable to do that Um, I don't blame you hi Um, yeah (laughs) so I'm kind of this is where I'm at is I was trying to figure out if I um, share how the story happened or how it came or like how how it happened or how it happened and came to me Mm -hmm. same time because I didn't know everything as it came as traumatic things happen. uh, We tend to block those things out and more will be revealed, which has happened in the last even just year or so, more things have been um, revealed to me, which has added to my story. So I think the impact is probably as it's been revealed to me, just to kind of get perspective, I suppose. Um, Yeah, so it's an, I guess, uh, let's see. So I was raised by my mother, and uh, I had two brothers I grew up with, and my stepfather. And um, <laughs> so I was three years old when uh, my stepfather came into my life. Like, oh, that, like that's pretty much where I'm at with it. He he was he was the main uh, character in my, the villain rather, in my in my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. My mom and him went to high school together. He was very abusive to me. Uh, He did not touch my brothers, which, like I said, I don't understand why that was a Mm -hmm. thing, but um, I feel weird repeating this, but that's okay. My mom worked at. uh, I'm sorry sorry for you having to repeat it. um, Making. No, it's fine. Don't worry for me. I'm like, 2250 an hour, anyhow. It's important because I think she was a very independent. I can raise my kids, take care of the house and do my own thing, yet for some reason and I'm sure it was instilled as a child she felt like she needed a man around to to make it okay or to feel safe. Or I'm not really sure what the motivation was behind that, however it was what it was. So while she's out busting her about to make sure that there's food on the table um, he was sexually abusing me um, regularly, every night, right whatever. And he had told me at one point that if I ever told her about it, that he would kill me and then he would kill her. And uh, actually, I'm not really sure I knew what that meant exactly at that point. Cause I yeah. think I was like five. Um, but at some point, at some point my mom did like, I don't know what the tip off was, but she did come to me when I was about seven and asked me if he was hurting me. <sighs> And I told her, yeah. I think at some point I got scared and like I thought she could protect me, you know. He didn't did get in trouble. He went to jail for eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, when he got out, she went and got a second job and put him up in an apartment because there was a restraining order against him. So she was paying for his apartment, all his bills. He didn't want to work, he was a man, baby. Wow. So she's now working this job, raising three kids on her own and a man baby in an apartment working at Quick Stop, which in my mind is just ridiculous because how can you possibly be making that much money an hour and then go do that? It's like the insanity of it, right? Yeah. It was too much, right? And yeah. so too much. So she, uh, she did end up quick. And I'll tell you what though, and as I'm thinking about it, I will, one of the coolest memories I have at that, at that time, which is amazing that one even, didn't just, popped up i think i might have even shared this with danny at one time it's about the time pop rocks came out remember those
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and i was six mom was going to keep me home from school but she had to go to work she had to go to work because she didn't want to leave me there she brought me to work with her to the quick stop and she gave me uh, pop rocks because i'm gonna let you have these but no never drink a soda with them right because they were telling everybody your stomach will explode or something that's, i know that's very simple but there's not very many memories i have so
1: no, but I remember someone telling me the same thing. That's why I'm laughing, yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, Yeah. Uh, but it was a moment, you know, the, like the, um, yeah. I think I could probably count those on one hand. So it's pretty cool that that just came, mm. yeah. Um, so she didn't end up quitting that job. And as a result, obviously couldn't afford that apartment. So she let him move back in. Um, the abuse continued. Uh, what happened between her and him like he he beat the crap out of her daily in the kitchen while we were in the living room watching the simpsons you know we were all pretty petrified to move because we were afraid what he'd do um while the kids were making fire escape plans we were making escape plans you know for my brothers to go where to go to get help or whatnot in the event that gary started beating on her again and Smart kids. So I was probably about eight then, Uh, right before, uh, right before I turned ten, he ended up taking her life. I'm sorry to hear that. So, um, my brothers are, uh, four and a half and six years older than I am. So I was almost 10. Um, uh, Ricky was 14 and Joey had literally two days prior turned 16. Um, they pulled us out of school. It was a little afternoon, CPS building and, uh, I remember what they said and I'm not really sure why they said it like this, but it was so like callous. It just blows me away. They said, I guess you guys don't realize this, but Gary killed your mother. Now I'm nine. Whoa. I still, I'm telling you, I don't really think I understood. I don't think I understood what death was until mm-hmm. I saw her in a casket. Yeah. And I, and I was, it was, I was shocked like that. I I had never seen all, you know, oh, man God forbid anybody see anything like that. Um, at any age really but I mean like as a kid it's just yeah um Unfortunately, so at that time my insane. brother Joe he ran he bolted out yeah it's that's true you know and uh, we were actually just talking the other day about well you know that's normal or this is normal and I'm like you guys we are normal like times have changed people are talking we are the status quo it's everybody else that's not normal you know cool. quite frankly I kind of enjoy our crew and where we stand in society now um, mm-hmm. yeah. So Joey, he ran off he ran off, he took off, he went to his dad's and, um, Ricky being, I don't really know what his motive was originally, but he asked if he could go after him and they said, yeah. So he took off. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky ended up at his best friend's. I sat there. I sat there. Um, and they took me to foster care and the abuse continued with the man of that house. And, uh, I think a lot of people have that story that end up in the system then I became a ward of the state. So basically they had custody of me, so I had to do what they told me to do. Um, So I know that a lot of addicts can relate to this and I think it's also kind of important. You know, I was the redhead, freckle-faced, four-eyed geek. I wore my brother's hand-me-downs because I thought that if I did that then, like, mom wouldn't have to put out so much money. Maybe we wouldn't work as hard. What has just come to me recently is that was, like, in my head, some kind of rationalization that she might be able to protect me. Like, if she was here, maybe that wouldn't happen or happen as much or happen as bad or, or whatnot. Um, I think that was in the 80s. I was born in 79. So, I mean, like, we're talking early 80s, mid-80s. Uh, that stuff wasn't cool. That's cool now to have hair is cool to have braces is cool to have glasses you know 30 something years ago um, yeah, times it have was changed. a small town a lot of elementary schools but it all the times have definitely changed mm-hmm. times have definitely changed mm-hmm. I am grateful for the time I grew up in I am um, yeah I am super grateful for the time I grew up in because we kind of learned a little more I think we learned how to appreciate things more I think mm-hmm. we were probably the last generation to kind of get that privilege. Yeah, um, to learn things mechanically and then computers came. So I know that's off subject, but I'm pretty grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I gained that, I gained that, uh, I don't want to say a bad rap, but basically I'm the nerd. So I didn't have any friends, uh, which I kind of got used to. And then I started getting beat up by the kids at the bottom of the hill, still in elementary school for being different. Maybe like I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't mm-hmm. I mean who does? I don't know. Um weren't, like hard. really they weren't labeled at that time. Like it was mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't it just wasn't I don't know. Everything's so vocal now. Um yeah. So, let me think. It all funnels into one junior high and high school, so any kind of social status was nil, and that might be trivial, but with everything I was dealing with, like, on a personal level, like, it, in my head, I was like, it was the least that like, could have been good for me anyhow, is to have a friend or two, and I, like, had an acquaintance, I think, or I mean, there were a couple people that, that came around once in a while, but I can't really say that any of them were friends. They were just people I went to school with. Um, after my mom died, the kids in the neighborhood, like their parents and stuff, they wouldn't let me play with their kids because I don't know, like they acted like I had some kind of disease. The kids made fun of me I didn't have a mom. I mean, just really weird. Just really weird house. Yeah.
1: It's kind of sad.
0: I don't know how long I was in foster. I don't know. They can be, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. They can be. And as a kid, you know, like I said, I didn't really understand why, why all that was happening. And, um, I think it's kind of pertinent to bring this up too. Like I thought that if, if they just knew what had happened, maybe they'd be my friend, maybe they'd understand. Maybe they'd feel sorry for me. And like, that was going to be my ticket into, to having a, a, having someone to talk to or hang out with or whatever. And, uh, I was too chicken shit to say anything. I was embarrassed at that point because now I know that everything that happened. So to be fair, up until that point, I really did think all that stuff happened So to everybody. Like that was just how things were. So um, I've had people go, why, did, why didn't you say something here? Why didn't you say something there? Because I didn't think anything was wrong. Nobody made a big deal about it. They let him back in the house. Everybody knew he was there. Everybody knew he was abusing me so it must be okay mm-hmm. uh yeah I hang out with her she's a nerd that followed me all the way through high school um i did eventually uh, move in. well i did get placed with my father my biological father who i didn't know actually was my father i did think gary was my father i called him dad um I learned that my dad and my mom were actually best friends, and uh, I think I got to him maybe when I was 12, and I'm guessing uh, he made it a point on her pretty rate was no longer here. So, I was convinced that, in fact, what Gary told me was true. I told on him, he killed her. Um, so now, like, not only that, do I have this guilt that it's my fault. She's gone. <sighs> I have no reason to have any feelings behind it because it's my fault. She's gone. And now I feel bad for my brothers because it's my fault. They don't have a mom I and mean, maybe I go on and on, but that's like a really heavy burden to carry as a kid. Well, for anybody to carry. And, uh, over the years I've had people say, well, you know, it's not your fault. Well, I get that. It's not my fault. I didn't pull the trigger. True. But that man did what he said he was going to do. And as far as I saw, because I did what I did. So cause and effect, yes. Not necessarily totally um, responsible, but try explaining that to somebody whose father kept telling them the exact opposite. So... Um,
1: it's not your fault, though. Yeah.
0: It's not your fault. I know that. I yeah. do know that. No, I'm, I do know that. Right. Um, Dad is, he, he was just, he, I mean, he was a horrible dad. He was, um, what I know now is that he may have been a horrible dad, but I know he was a good person. Like nobody's ever said anything bad about him. You know, um, he never, I don't think he used, I don't really know. The only time I ever saw him drunk was one time and he thought I was staying the night somewhere and I came back to get some clothes and he was out on the porch drinking with his buddies, all my uncles, which I found out later, by the way, we were all hell's angels. I had no idea, but, uh, he was drunk. Looking back, I thought it was actually kind of funny, um, but he was respectful like that in that regard. And that man never laid a hand on me, never. Um, I do believe he did the best he could with what he knew. Um, and I'll explain that in a bit, but um, he was not very nice to me verbally. Mm-hmm. And I'd already had enough, uh, well enough, like what's enough? Uh, I had plenty of damage already done. so that's that's molded, molded my self-esteem and how I viewed myself and you know after mom died I had decided that I wasn't going to allow that and I don't I know I couldn't put this into words at the time but I really did choose I made a choice not to allow that to affect how I interacted with people or the world um that it was nobody else's fault that that shit happened you know it's always giving people the benefit of the doubt and I think I've done pretty good at doing that for the most part um People told me a lot of things. They told me I wouldn't graduate. All the, all the stereotypes and all the statistics that said that I would end up in prison and a drug addict, which yeah, I did become a drug addict. Um, I'd end up in prison or a serial killer or um, who knows. I mean, there was an array of things. There was an array of things to choose from. Um, so what I did instead, <laughs> what I did instead was I graduated high school when I was 17. I went to college and graduated from Hill Business College when I was 19. Nice I did go. start using when I was 19, mm-hmm. um, hard drugs. I was, I was like smoking pot and stuff mm-hmm. when I was 13. Like, and I'm all, everybody did that, drinking. That was pretty normal. Um, so I didn't really, but it was the, uh, it was the meth that got a hold of me when I was 19. And I think at that point I was just really fed up with shit, man. Like one shit show thing after another and, um, now this time I haven't really talked to Rick or Joe like sporadically um, after mom died like I had a bunch of siblings started popping up all over the place there's a bunch of us now we call it our family bush it's actually kind of funny I think we're, <laughs> up, we're up to like 16 kids or some crazy number uh, but it's as adults it's kind of fun to to look at like and I, but I can't say that's my brother's brother sister's brother because that's kind of how that goes we're like that's just my brother uh, trying to explain it to anybody outside outside of my sis outside of my sister is silly um
1: that's funny i have no idea what you just said it's like my sister's so, brother's
0: sister's brother or something <laughs> right right well like my brother well so for instance uh like my brother gary's actually my brother joe's brother Derek's brother's gary so like that's like brother 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 well, that's kind of ridiculous, right? Me and Joe have the same mom. Joe and mm. Derek have the same dad. And Derek and Gary have the same mom. So that's okay just, I, I got how you. that one. Yeah. So it's yeah. ridiculous and hard to explain. So All right.
1: I appreciate you so, taking the time uh, to do it, though, because I was yeah. lost for a second. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, right, which is why we just call it our family bush, which tends yeah. to be an inside joke. But um, <laughs> I'll
1: get it now, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. Just when we take... Pay- yeah, i know right? well i just when we think we're done someone else pops up and actually um there's a famous one of the group and he doesn't he's not famous over here he's famous overseas which i find funny and kind of poke fun at at times but uh <laughs> anyhow anyhow um so you kind of got the gist that you know my dad was not a nice guy to me you know he's a good guy in general just wasn't a great father um So he told me on a regular basis, I can't wait till I'm done. I can't wait till you graduate high school, so I'll be done, you know. And so I did, like I said, graduate high school, graduate college, started using 19. My brother, Rick, at that point had been in the Marines, got out, moved to Texas. He's in Texas. My dad gets sick. He ends up in the hospital. They tell us he has a 0% chance of living. I'd say sorry to sound like a dick, but no, I don't. I was glad. I was happy. I wanted to throw a party. Please go away. Yeah. Cause you have made my life miserable. Like he's, there was not a day that went by that he made me feel good about myself. And it's not like I didn't already have enough of that coming from everything that happened prior to that. And, uh, man, the manhandling, like, you know, my mom's father was abusive to me, like mm. just the men that ended up in that house and none of that's really a pertinent part of my story. It was just, oh, I, think I, it probably I put is. that there because it was like, it, it was just normal. Like, so, yeah. all right. So this was a, it was just status quo like that's just how it is like I, I really was trying to grasp like why is this happening to me and not you guys like why aren't you like why isn't it why why um i'll tell you why because all of that and, and more and i'll i'll continue but it's made me who i am today mm-hmm. and uh i'm pretty fucking proud of that right on <clears throat> pretty I'm pretty proud of the person I am well um there's a gal that and in a meeting and every time she opens she says uh, oh man I'm so and so and I'm an addict and hello my beautiful chosen family is what she says and Mm -hmm. i just freaking love it i'm actually going to talk to her about it because i I want that like because i i can't stand my family i don't like my oh my problem i hope they never hear this i can't stand them Mm -hmm. like they have done nothing for me and as a matter of fact they knew what was happening and they allowed it who does that how how can you do that like i don't even have any kids you know
1: Oh man!
0: Yeah, that's oh, hard shit. I just, oh, yeah, Anyways.
1: yeah.
0: There's no making sense. So yeah. there really isn't, and I mean, like, and I tried, and it, it hurt my head. So mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. I th- I think it kind of, you know, people were scared. Maybe like if we intervene, maybe he'll mm-hmm. do something, or like I don't know. And you know, people I've heard like in just recently, you know, like well, you know if that would have happened and she were alive, it would have happened eventually
1: or that would have,
0: you know, um, yeah, I can find a silver lining in anything. This is true. I have a really hard time that I have a really hard time with that. And that's again, you know, so what that did for me though, that kind of made me a mama bear for other kids. Like don't mess with the kids. Mm -hmm. And sister knows that don't fuck. They come first. Kids come first. I don't give a Mm -hmm. shit. I don't, I don't care. They come first. it's not yeah, it's mm-hmm. not negotiable. So um anyhow. Oh my goodness. So he got sick. They told us he was gonna die. Scooter got excited. Um uh, Ricky was his <laughs> power attorney, so um he's not here, thank God. So he came he back from Texas and like we can't make a decision without Ricky. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can't make it. And when he gets there, um, you know, we all, I don't know why we all, Ricky, made a decision to pull the plug. And I was like, good. Um, I don't know how a 0% chance of living. I sit in the, 16, yeah, it doesn't even matter. After 10, I stopped counting hours of nothing. And his numbers start going up. Mm-hmm. I was so freaking mad. I couldn't see straight. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Seriously? I I even went to him. They said, he can hear you. So I went up to him and I said, listen, you're done. I graduated. You can go. I I wanted to say, I don't even like you. I didn't say, but I wanted to. (laughs) Just go. Like, You're done. Um, I... I found out recently that my dumbass brother comes in behind me and goes, it's not that bad. You could pull through it. I'm like, fuckhead. Like, cause he didn't have to deal with it. I did. So, uh, he pulled through, he did pull through. Uh, but what happened with that? So that was in '09. I was like, yeah, no nine. Um, he did live for 10 more years. Uh, not, on, I'm sorry. Not, not '09. Was it? 99, excuse me, he died in 09, so if that happened in 99, I was 19, uh, he did live for 10 more years, in 07 when I had four years clean um, a friend of mine, I, uh, we went down to LA and on our way back uh, she says, we're going to stop by and see your dad, and I said no we're not, said, yeah we are, at this point I had uh, ran into a family friend well, a family friend, um, had known me since I was a a young teenager, and uh, I actually ran into, her at a kiss. I ran into her at a women's retreat. It was a Napa Solana women's retreat held in Calaveras County, and I'm from Shasta Trinity, and I randomly show up there and run into her. She has 22 months clean. Now I know she had used that whole thing, like she was, you know, a heavy drug user. So the fact that she had 22 months clean just blew me away. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to talking to her and I said, Hey, why don't you guys come up and come speak at our Unity Day? And she's like, All right. So she did. She came up and I went to the hotel that night and we were all around the spa and you know, of course we're talking about my dad and of course I get upset. and she's like, You know, you know, your dad did the best to live what he had. And I got mad. I was so mad. Like he grew up in Boy he grew up in Boys Town in Omaha, Nebraska which is, uh, well, back then it was just boys. Now it's boys and girls, but, uh, back when father Flanagan was, was there, the founder, um, he was placed there when he was five after his father was killed in a car accident. I mean, his mom put him there. Um, his mom put him there and then took off, like didn't give them any money or just like left him there. And so he was orphaned. He stayed there till he was 19. Um, he told me some things that she did and, and that, um, Pretty messed up. Kind of treated him like an animal, you know, just showing him off to the to her friends or whatever. Look what I have, and then go off and do whatever. Um, so he didn't know how to parent because, right? He didn't have parents. His dad died, and his mom was like that, and so he got raised by nuns. And I'm guessing I don't know nuns and Father Felani. I don't know how all that works, but um, so he came from a place where he wasn't really loved or wanted either. Um, at the age of, I think it's three months of crib death. Um, from then until he had me, he had all boys. So I was, I was the only girl after, you know, or whatever. And uh, she's like, I think he was scared. I think he was scared to have you. He didn't want to get close to you. He didn't want to touch you. That's why he did everything he did because he thought he was gonna, uh, you know, kill me or whatever. And I'm like, all right.
1: And in my head, it's not
0: really an excuse, but okay. Like work a program and go talk to him. So I told her to fuck off. I left. I thought about it, you know. So then that, when I told you, I went down with my friend to LA and, you know, she agreed with Linda, of course. And she's like, I really do think you need to go see him. And I'm like, well, I really don't think anybody knows what I need to do. So I really have nothing to say to that man. Nothing nice to say. And then something happened, and I, I want to say it was a spiritual awakening, I don't know, but um it wasn't about me, you know what I mean? Like, it really, I, 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 I did, I needed to let that man go in peace. It's 2008, and I'm trying, I'll go talk to him, and I get there, and he starts apologizing for stuff, like, whether he could actually do anything about it or not. Like I didn't even care. The fact that this shit was coming out of his mouth, just like filled my heart. Like, are you fucking serious? Like I knew he wasn't capable of doing anything, but he acknowledged it. And like, that's the kind of stuff I was looking for with my brothers. Like I just wanted them to say, we know how you feel sister. We were there. That never happened. I'd learned later that that was what I was looking for. I didn't know how to put that into words, but I mean, it kind of, it kind of showed itself talking to my dad as, uh, he apologized. He was like, I want to buy you a house. And I wanted to, and know he couldn't do any of that, but it didn't matter. Because to the best of his ability, he apologized. And uh, I was all right with it. You know, and I gave him a hug and I left. And that was the last time I did see him. But um, at least I know as far as I was concerned, he got to rest in peace. So um, I was... <laughs> I was still happy he was dead. <laughs> to be a jerk. I was still oh. happy he was dead. Yeah, but um, I wasn't so mad. Can't I, I wasn't so mad, mad at, at him. You know. <laughs> yeah. um, I know. Well, you know. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I, um, I do want to. Uh, I want to back up a little bit because I mean, I told you I use and like, and we all use them we're addicts and. You know, as part of the, the podcast, I used heavily and my life became unmanageable, unmanageable enough for them to decide that uh, maybe I should go to a residential, you know. I'm mm-hmm. not going to give any war stories. Everybody knows the war stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my story really is more about all that underdog shit. Um, mm-hmm. So it started in 99. Um, it didn't last long, which means apparently I, apparently I didn't use successfully mm-hmm. because um, it was decided that... Uh, I needed to go. So they said, well, I lived in Martin. So many Concord. So many have People throw drugs over the wall. Like, I'm still going to get loaded. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, there's this place in Oakland. Um, there's a place in Oakland. I'm like, you're going to send me there for six months. I'm not leaving my car parked in Oakland for six months. I won't have a car left. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, there's this place in Reading. I'm like, where the fuck is Reading? And, like, that, and that's where you're going. So after Reading, I go, um, mm-hmm. And uh, first six-month program, so I check in and, uh, in March of 2003, and uh, I was there just to do what I had to do to get whatever papers I needed to get signed so the judge would be happy, court would be have probation would be, whatever, so that I can go home and do what I was doing, just keep doing what I was doing. I didn't give a shit. Like, I didn't understand why I was in trouble. I didn't feel like I was doing anything. I didn't steal anything from anybody or, or tell anybody or hurt anybody. Or, I didn't do the things that, you know, addicts do, right? i hurt myself i did i put kids in danger i that i didn't i didn't know like i didn't understand all of that stuff like the influence that i had on on people uh well the littles you know the adults didn't really care because they were right there with me but uh the little guys uh which i found out later i didn't realize that i was let's say damaging you know but they saw what i did and um they didn't like it. And I was getting loaded with their parents. And so it was my, you know, just that kind of stuff, which seems kind of trivial, but as a kid, man, it's a big deal. So, uh, I did make amends to those kids later in life. I did after I realized the damage I, uh, that I had or may have caused to them. Um, so, uh, about four and a half months into that treatment program, uh, we were detoxed. They were sending the girls over to the guy's house to detox do a spend drugs, you know, 72 hours, alcohol, whatever. And I've been over there a couple of times and not that I knew everything, but a four and a half months, of course, I knew everything and I knew who was going to make it, and who wasn't going to make it. I really <laughs> had no qualifications to make those judgment calls, but I sure as hell thought I did. Uh, so I had been like through three of them and this one lady comes in and there was just something about her that like I knew she wanted to get it. And she told me, she's like, if I don't get into that program, I'm going to die. And I like, I was convinced if she didn't get into that program, she was going to die. And so like, I, you know, talked and did her detox and she left and I went back to the house and I waited a couple weeks and I asked the program manager about her. I was like, so what happened to so-and-so? And she's like, oh, her, her county wouldn't fund her to come. I didn't realize counties funded. Like I didn't, one, I didn't care how any of that worked. I didn't, didn't. didn't know, you know, but I was like, what do you mean the county wouldn't, that doesn't even make sense to me. And she goes, well, that county doesn't have any money. And they couldn't afford to send her here. And then I was like, shit. Well, now I'm sitting here on a six-month program, not doing anything with it. And there was somebody that actually wanted to be here. So, like, I quite possibly just killed that woman. And I know that sounds kind of weird, but yeah. in my head, like, it made sense. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. All right. So far, I, wow, I'd, I better do something with this, right? So, I mean, I'm not going to let that woman die in vain, fuck. So that four and a half months, I made the decision to move to Reading. Um, And thank God I haven't found a reason to get loaded since. Um, But really in the back of my mind, I wonder if that woman's still alive. I hope so. Um, In the event that she isn't, then at least she didn't die in vain because she had an impact on me. And, uh, you know, hopefully I, oh man, hopefully I can do the same for somebody else. You know, just, uh, I think that woman and, um, I hope she's okay. But I made that decision to move to Reading. Um, got involved in in, uh, in recovery when I got out a bit, just a little bit. I was working a lot, so workaholic because um, I didn't because that's what I needed to do to survive. That's so I told myself. Um, I didn't really participate much in the twelfth step. I had one meeting I went to. Every Monday night, that was the only night I had off, the only time I had off, um, which proved to be very beneficial, you know, a year later when time started freeing up and kind of like, you know, babies, when they're swaddled, they feel secure and safe. And so when I was working, like my schedule was tight, I always knew where I was and where I was going to be and what I had to do. So when like I can go from three jobs to one good job and I had all that free time, I didn't know what the hell to do with myself. So... I went and started being a service, um, like a junkie. <laughs> I was a service <laughs> junkie. I always did a lot of service all over California and Oregon, and I mean I was everywhere. But I had fun doing it, and I think I was pretty good at it, and I learned a lot, you know. And I met some pretty cool people. Um, it hasn't been easy in recovery either. Just, um, like I said, I did all those things that they told me I wouldn't do. I I graduated. I graduated yes, high school and college, but. Uh, education became a pretty big deal to me um, when I got when I got up here to Reading because I realized that I are like they were starting to want like bachelor's degrees and stuff so I was like should I go back to school so I I tried a couple colleges and um, (laughs) I ended up at Colorado State University uh, ended up getting my bachelor's degree in 2015 with a a bachelor's in organizational leadership and uh minor in human resources and organizational development and then
1: wow, started congrats. my master's
0: degree actually
1: congratulations uh,
0: um yeah yeah um and uh, thank you thank you um that was a criminal justice and Uh the thing is is i did it like i did it they told me i wouldn't and i did it and uh Actually, and, and he didn't say this, but I think this is kind of important too. My probation officer, um, when I met her and she sat me down, she said, You know, you're not a bad person. You just made bad choices. And like, that really was a pivotal moment for me because up until that point, nobody really had anything positive to say to me. And that mm-hmm. was like, I hung on to that. I go, Well, that's true. I don't know you said that to me and your probation officer. And, like, mind you, like, she was the reason I went to my first Saturday meeting, and when I got there, I'm like, I thought, sure, you know, I better behave myself, pay attention, because they might tell on me. And um, I was relieved to hear that that thing was uh, under no surveillance at any time, so I was pretty excited about that. But it was, uh, she was a pivotal person in my world, uh, that first bit of positivity, so I think that was kind of the fuel there. And then uh, Carlisa, who was the family, youth and family lady that worked by her side, in a different county she was in Solana county that's the county the two of them became friends the two of them are also still friends of mine on facebook and i talk to i talk to keep in touch with regularly and um truly like i know that nobody i know that i did this myself but like <laughs> my higher power you know obviously is got the way to put things in place to bring me where i needed to be to get me where i am and um, I think the people that were along that path, are, they deserve some recognition in my world because they are a big part of my story. So um, yeah, that's that was pretty cool. Um, I did start, I opened a nonprofit. I got together with some friends and started a nonprofit organization called Scoots Never Alone Resource Center. We had put together a rather large... Um, we had a lot of services we were offering for people that wanted to help themselves. It wasn't something like people were sent to for court. Like if you wanted help to change your world, we could help you. Cause like we've been there, we've done that, but we did it in a way that like you had to want it because we didn't want people there. We didn't want to offer resources to people that really didn't want them. We weren't trying to force anything on anybody. And we, I don't want to say we didn't want to waste resources, but it, I mean, I guess that's kind of where we were at with it, because we knew there were people that wanted it that couldn't have it because they had five years clean or ten years clean, like mental health and stuff. If you don't have a needle sticking out of your arm, or you're not drunk, or you don't want to kill yourself or somebody else, they won't help you. But if you got like you've got a mental disorder, like some of that stuff does, like yes, I'm sure that all that thing, ha- all those things happen at some point. But sometimes you're you you do not have those things going on, and you still need help, mm-hmm. and they won't help you so we were we were had found ways around that to help people also uh like I didn't have any life skills right because I didn't have parents to teach me like (laughs) Richard my dad he never spent time with me with any of that stuff so I didn't know how to do anything I didn't know about banks checking accounts credit cards paying rent you know what I mean like these things that I should have known yeah but I didn't um I bumped my head a lot I did that um so we were really creating an environment to kind of fill in those blanks because those weren't services that I've ever seen offered because you should already know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everybody lived in my world. So when people are like, look at me, like, well, gee, you should already know that. <laughs> I'm like, don't say that to me. Well, you don't know what I should know. or don't. You don't know unless you know, you don't know unless someone tells you, you know,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. And I mean, the, the system was created by people, the system was created by people who supposedly know and what they want is to teach you what they know and have you be like them to be healthy yeah right as opposed right. to being what you need right.
0: to be right which is so um yeah. which is did I oh, cut you a, off yeah it's okay
1: i stopped i stopped talking because i heard you start up so
0: Oh, it's that delay. We got that. Sometimes I sound like Rosie Jetson, too. <laughs> so um, um, yeah. So I did, yeah. So I did the resource center, and that was like I said, I was pretty heavy um, in service with NA. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think that I mean this is really this. Wow. Um, so, I participated in this area for 14 years of service. Um, I, did, <laughs> I did a lot of really cool things, actually. I started a lot of awesome projects, and um, even uh, we, put, we started this event um, to help build unity with a couple of these areas, uh, which is something that's still happening today. I think they're on their 13th year or something now. Wow. Um, Way to go. I want to say, I want to say this because I, like, I did a lot of service and met people. Yes, but uh, somehow when I was of service down at region, um, I didn't know this person, but she had seen me or met me or saw me through something. I have no idea, but she had showed up to. It was my third. It was my third and final year. It was my fourth year doing that event. It was my third and final year chairing or participating in NA at all unbeknownst to me of course i didn't know that was going to be the end of it for me uh but that final year uh this gal comes up to me and she's like hey are you scooter i'm not really sure if i want to answer this question um yeah i'm scooter so she tells me who she is and she tells me she's she's the uh, united states representative for the first east africa convention of NA, and uh she had told me that they had wanted me to come be of service Hmm. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, of course I wanted to, Mm -hmm. right? But I I had a lot of commitments and it didn't really seem like, it didn't really seem like something that was feasible, but I, I like, how did that happen? I must've, somebody must've saw something or heard something or whatever to get my name over there, but it kind of put some value on who I was um, in my head. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really know. I don't know. I don't, I still didn't, I don't think I really knew how to interact with the world yet. I mean, I knew how to forgive people. I knew how to work the steps. I knew how to do the program. I knew how to do service, but like when it came to like real life shit, mm-hmm. oh man, I feel like I avoided it at all costs. Right. Cause I, um, I think I was still kind of scared, but, um, so I had all this stuff going for me. I, I, to me, I mean, I had all this stuff going for me. I was having fun doing recovery. I was working had acquaintances and, um, was doing the damn thing. And then, uh, In 2017, I think it was happening before this, but in 2017, I started having seizures. And um, I went from all of that in your face to nothing. Like one day, all of that. And then the next day in a hospital. And then I lost my driver's license because I have seizures. And my doctor took me off work. So I couldn't like do anything or go anywhere. And then uh, I got moved to the mountains. So like in the middle of nowhere, can't talk to anybody like uh, I went from all of that to nothing and uh wow not a text message or an email or a phone call or nothing from anybody and um like I think I got super depressed right because not that I ever did any of that for like well I did all this for you it wasn't like that but I mean goodness if I see somebody and I, you know, like, I don't even, I still, I can't wrap my brain around it. I really can't. Um, I really can't. I say that really because, uh, like, for, well, I think it was like four years. That was in 2017. In August of this last year, um, COVID hit, of course, and all that. And so they started Zoom meetings. And someone told me that there were these Zoom meetings. Um Like, I didn't get emotional through most of that, but here I go, because holy shit. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be mentioning, like, the specific programs, but, like, really, that program saved my life.
1: Oh, of course you can. Yeah, you sure can.
0: And, um, I mean, on their part, not really. I mean, I get that, but I don't like Mm -hmm. it. I don't want to get in trouble from, you know.
1: No, I, I hear you.
0: I guess, um anyway so i i did right so in august meeting i'm going to 196 meetings in 30 days like desperately trying to like find a place to finish and to fucking fit in somewhere and um you're
1: doing great scooter
0: there's a couple girls that reach There's a couple of girls that reached out to me on the couch, which is uh, my home, my home group, my, my first primary home group, but um, the person I call my sister, my best friend, my twin flame, whatever, whatever, man, she was the first person. Um, uh, we talked for a second and then she goes and pushes this video button, right? And up until that point, I hadn't done anything video. I wasn't touching the video, but, but she was like, tell me on Facebook and she's like bop, 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 video. And I sat there for a second, looking at my phone going, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I didn't know. Like I didn't really have friendships and then I was too busy doing service. I was friends with people that did service. That's what I did. You know, um, something told me to answer it. i thank fucking God because, uh, Holy crap, man. Her kindness and love and compassion. Danny, I know you know this, but like truly, up until that point, like, and as you know, as I tell you my story, nobody's ever fucking loved me like that, ever. so like i go to these meetings and i share this right but they don't know my story because i've never shared it and hopefully the people that are sitting in this room right now with me understand now when i tell you that i love you i was sick you know what i mean they i didn't tell you all the sickness stuff but like i have a tumor in my head and they told me it was going to kill me. They told me I had nine months to live. And uh, that was over 1,600 days ago. They gave me a list of things that I was diagnosed with. I told them to shove it up their ass. And um, here I am, still sucking in air. You know, but truly, 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 it's people that are here, right here with me right now. And the people that, um, there are people that are not here that I know that love and support me and would be here if they could. And I know they'll hear this later and because they all know who they are. Um these three meetings that I landed in there's these three meetings that I landed in and there's a little bit of each one of those meetings in this room right now and um, I would not I would not be coming up on my 19 year chip if it wasn't for them you know in less than 30 days if I just keep doing what I'm doing just for today today and tomorrow and keep moving um, I will hit 19 years and um, I truly like yes I have recovery and i know all this stuff but like this is what it's about like this is what it's about you know um i never really shared in meetings i started sharing at these groups and they helped me to feel okay like i'm okay i'm not a bad person like hey, who told me you're not a bad person no. i never have been a bad person you know what i mean like i I don't recall ever doing anything with malice intention ever, you know. Um, sometimes to my detriment, you know, and I'm Scorpio, so like I have that tongue, but I choose not to use it and I've been thinking about that a lot lately, actually. I um today I have choices. You know, and this program taught me that uh a lot of things. This program's taught me a lot of things. Uh, first thought wrong. First thought wrong. When something's happening and I get pissed off and I want to react, and I'm like, oh, next is, wait a minute. (laughs) My first thought's wrong, wait a minute, because something else is going to come, and usually that's probably what I need to do, and so far, that's served me well. Um, I've experienced more love. I don't even know how this is possible, but I have experienced more love behind the screen and in the rooms in the program uh, more love than I've ever, 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 ever. I'm 42 years old now and I ever have had, ever. I wouldn't change it for the world. And you know what? We don't, we don't always get along. I know we don't always get along. Um, but at the end of the day, I know that if I ever needed any of them and they're all over this world, like all over this world, um, if at all possible, any one of them would be on a red, I flight to me to help you know and they're actually they're proving that right now because i'm in a situation where i need to go i need to leave like now or yesterday and um they're already planning uh operation get scooter off the fucking mountain so um i feel like they put an APB out they're like all right we're all our way with it <laughs> <laughs> and, uh The fact that they care that much, like they care about my internet, like they get pissed off, and like they all want to come out here and install satellite this is everywhere so they could talk mm. to me. And I just, like, they babysit me, right? Because I have these seizures and I have all these, I have all these problems and stuff. Mm. But like, <laughs> every minute of the day, like I, I am somewhere with one of these guys or the one of these people in this room at all times. Fucking knows where I'm at. There's at least three of them that know how to get a hold of my jackass brother. You know, so it's I'm, I'm taking care. Of, like what, uh, what?
1: that's far out man so oh, what a fellowship it like it matters that this. those
0: people it is i know right right exactly and i um i'm just i am yeah, very grateful i'm so grateful so like all that bad shit happened yes did it suck yes was my You know, growing up and fuck, yeah, it all sucked. It did. God gave me one shithole situation after another. But you know what? I wouldn't trade this right here talking to you on this podcast with those people sitting right there supporting me for the fucking world. Like, there's nothing that compares to that. Nothing. And uh, one of the meetings, one of the meetings one night, just not that very long ago, actually it was just what I think, Just for maybe the last six weeks or so I shared in this meeting. It was actually the after meeting. And uh, we were sharing some pretty deep shit. And um, I don't think I told you this, Emma. Um, we shared some pretty deep shit. And when we left there, I actually felt this weight lifted off my shoulders for the first time. Like, I never felt that before. And I've shared at a couple of the other meetings online. And they just didn't feel that. With these people, I did. And uh, I hear, like, a, share, a pain shared is a pain lessened. And I finally started. I'm like, that's bullshit like I know that you guys say that and I know that you mean well but it's really bullshit because the only time that really happens is when you're sharing with people that care about you and I don't know if everybody knows that but because I have that experience where people didn't really give a shit about me to this like there's a vast difference so I share with these people and I have this weight lifted off my shoulder and I'm like oh that's what that feels like and I get a hold of a sponsor or someone we have shared a sponsor for 15 years, and I called her and she's in Texas, and I tell her, and she's like, "Scooter, you finally got it. How do you know almost 19 and you just now got it?" I'm like, "Shut the hell up." I mean, yeah, but um it takes the right people, you know. And uh, God, I think God put all that stuff in my way so that I could appreciate what I have right now, like in such a big way. Um, yeah. So I am where I'm at now. I live, do live in the middle of nowhere still. Um, my goal is uh, my goal is to be at Danny's here. I think by the end of the summer was was the goal, which I'm super, super, super freaking excited about. Um, that I'm sucking air truly is. I mean, like I said, I know it's just this is just a, a fraction of the people that support me, you know. But um, I, I really wouldn't I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And, uh, I guess I'll met Robert and Robert introduced me to you and I get to, to share the story, which I've never shared with anybody. And it may have been choppy and whatever. Um, it's been great. Yeah. Whatever. I know there's stuff I left out, but what, yeah, I, uh, I hope that was okay. <laughs> <I> mean, it's <laughs> I honestly what, the end today.
1: Yeah. Thank Scooter. you. Thank you so much, Scooter for, uh, for sharing your story. Like what what an amazing story and the fact that in recovery you've done exactly what i think most of us try to do right is live the best life we can with what what time we've been given um again thank you so much for for coming on is there anything else you want to say before we close it down
0: other than thank you and then i think that the fact that you guys have this podcast is pretty bitch and i've actually never heard a podcast in my life but uh I think, well, I' definitely start. I mean, thank you. Just thank you for having this. and um, honestly, I, yeah, I do. You know before I hit the couch and met Danny, like I was so tired of all the medical stuff, like I just told you a piece of it, like there's a lot of medical stuff going on. It's like my body is tired and worn out and like I was ready to I was ready to go kill myself. I was fucking mm-hmm. done. You know, with everything I told you, I' just like done, done, done. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that Danny grabbed onto me because that did truly. That did truly save my life. Um,
1: I'm glad she did too.
0: No, I lost my train of thought.
1: That's okay. No,
0: I know. I just lost my train of thought. I did have a point. That happens. Yeah.
1: I understand I, that fully. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, so. I don't know.
0: I lost that. That's glad. That I'm glad that you can relate. It's uh, <laughs> <but> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> sadly, I can relate you know, to a really lot good. of what you said. Um sadly and fortunately right
0: it's not well i mean that's you know that's something they teach us right we look for similarities not differences and actually you know what yes i do yes i do because uh i know i have to say this because i know there's a lot of people that get here looking for differences which i did i believe we all do um someone told me someday i'll hear your story scoot you know um I don't want to discount anybody that's sitting here right now with me, but I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, I have to say this. I had never heard my story ever. Like I listened and I listened and I didn't look for differences. I mean like truly looking for somebody to talk to you about my shit because in my head, nobody understood. And, uh, after I met Danny <laughs> and I met peanut, you know, and, uh, I hope this is okay, Peanut. I, mean, like, I feel like I need to ask your permission. Where are you doing? Is it cool? Where's he at? Is he in here, guys? Peanut, I I'm blasting you. Sorry, I bud. don't see a Peanut on there. But. So, uh, I don't know if you can hear me.
1: See, see Robert. Not,
0: it's, it's Robert with the 312. Yeah. Um, anyhow, I'm sure he'll be fine with it. And I apologize if not, brother, but... Um, on December 1st, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Peanut's best friend died in a car accident and there's, you know, a story behind that. And, uh, I remember the day that he came and told us that it was before a meeting and like real quiet in the background. It was like the first time I like was actually quiet. I was just listening to everybody chit chat before the meeting and all of a sudden I hear, it was like a small voice. She was like, I think I need to tell you guys something. And I felt the need to shut everybody up, shut the fuck up. He's got to say something. And then he tells us what happened. Like, and of course, everybody's in shock because we all know how close she was to him. And um, I know it was hard for him to go through that, but in one of of our late night um, bonding moments, he shared with me his story. And um, he's 30, he's 12 years younger than me. Um, His story made my... I literally almost felt like I had to pick my jaw off the ground. I was like, holy crap. That's not the same exact story. But the caliber is right there with mine. And uh, I know he knows this, but I was like, what an amazing thing. Like, still 18 years clean. And I'm looking at the, well, looking when we were talking, but on the Zoom, but um, I finally heard my story. So I say that because man you might have a year or five years or 10 years of it, but I'm 18 years and I just heard my story and that's okay because uh just knowing that it existed knowing that there is somebody out there whether you know them or not just know that there's somebody out there sharing your story with other addicts somewhere in the world and um I'm really grateful that you gave me an opportunity to share here so thank you and I really don't have anything else to say thank you
1: you're very welcome, Scooter. Thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for being here for her. Uh, this was incredible. I think you did a great job. Obviously, your life is a testament to the fact that this, these programs uh, work um, if we do the best we can and, and go at it each day. Oh, absolutely. Probably.